Check, check, check. I don't know if this is bad boys running or not, so. I'm hoping this is live right now. I'm watching from my phone to make sure it's live and stuff like that. So good morning. This is uh, Michael Farmer. I'm here at Risen City. I'm riding solo today. I had a little bit of technical difficulties trying to get the microphone hooked up to the podcast and get everything going. But I'm thankful for the opportunity for us to be here. It's a nice, beautiful day outside. I'm hoping y'all were outside six feet, of, six feet apart from each other, social distancing, enjoying this sunshine. I hope that you all do the same thing today as we have this opportunity and all this sunshine and stuff like that. So, But it's been really good uh, for the Facebook world. Hey, I am live. Thank you, Thomas, because I did IT back in my day, and for some reason I felt as though, like, I wouldn't be able to get all this stuff set up, so I appreciate the look up and the hookup from Thomas there and stuff like that. But um, I'm thankful for technology and the opportunity for us to continue to meet online. And as we um, go into the next couple of weeks, we don't know how long this may go on, but I've talked with some of our members. We're going to be reaching out to all of our specific family members and people, stuff like that, from undefeated. So we'll be connecting with you guys this week. But we're also looking into doing a midweek kind of missional community where we're going to focus on um, our um, three circles and also um, the other teaching we were doing about the who's your one. We know that I'm kind of leading up into Easter and as we start to get warmer, we have a lot of plans to go out and to meet our community and we want to continue to try to do so even from social distancing. But as much as possible, we want to remember to pray for our friends. Um, it's been really tough for a lot of our undefeated kids. I get their Snapchats and they stop by the house all the time and they're like, when are we going to do church? When are we going to meet again? And I think us as adults, um, we, we have social media. We can connect. We have jobs. We have lives. We have kids. Um, but our kids themselves, they, they need those social social connections. And um, it's a little bit hard for them to kind of understand what a quarantine looks like. And this is the first time any of us have ever gone through something like this. So we want to remember them in prayer. We want to give them some grace and love and try to reach out to them as much as possible over the next couple of weeks. Um, and remembering also just to pray for our medical staff and our medical people who are um, working on the front lines of this right now. Um, we know it's not always easy to be the person to be able to help those who are sick. And I just pray that God keeps a hedge of protection over you all as you all are at the hospitals, as you're out and about working, those who are um, working in nursing facilities, keeping our um, people safe. We just pray that you all watch out for them and protect them. So, But we're going to go ahead and jump into this next week's, uh, this series right now. It's called um, Children and Parents. So this is um, a really exciting series. Last week we talked about love and marriage and how biblical marriage should look like. A lot of it really focused on submission to one another. When you look at a biblical marriage, you look at the first verse that we had there in, um, in Ephesians 5, and it talked about in verse 25, it said, husbands, I'm sorry, it was telling us that wives are to submit to their husbands. And then it goes on for another 11 verses, and it gives specific instructions on how the husband is to honor his wife. When we kind of apply this also to our, our relationships with our children, I believe that we have to um, embody this saying. It says that honor elevates and dishonor is going to decimate relationships. It's really hard that when you have a kid and you may feel as though they're not listening to you, they're not working with you, you're trying to tell, you're trying to tell me that you're trying to say, I should honor them more. And I believe as we 
really continue to look at the relational aspect of the Trinity of the God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we see how they work together for the betterment of our good for us to come to salvation. And as we're living out this life with children and with uncles and aunts or uncles and aunts and things like that, we have to remember that you may not have birthed someone, but I believe that you still have a responsibility to be in a role, kind of like a parent to those kids in our neighborhoods, to make sure that they are safe and that they grow and that they are developed in the right way. Um, I remember when I was younger, um, I didn't have any kids. I've only, been, I've only been a father for, you know, a couple months now. And I'm getting used to the goo-goos and the gagas and waking up and doo-doo diapers and all that stuff like that. Um, but I've always felt like a parent for years of my life. Um, I remember probably about 10 years ago, there was a shifting in my life when I was um, working in banking and finance, and I was really living for myself. And when I came to a place of salvation, um, one of the first things that was really understood to me was God the Father. You know, I didn't really grow up with a father after the age of six and seven years old. And it was a really kind of eye-opening experience to understand the love of a father, the caringness of a father, the providential understanding that he's going to take care of my needs. He's going to watch after me. He's going to be there for me. And that really opened up my heart to say, like, I want to work with kids and youth who, who grew up like I did. Maybe they didn't have a father. Maybe they didn't have all the resources that they needed. But I always had caring adults who watched after me. And then they guided my life, and they were mentors to me. And I had a great mom who was an awesome parent to me. Even though she was tough on me, she, when I messed up, she would get that belt out. And if you was old school like in the South, you knew you had to get them switches and you would get beat up. That was my mom. So it really kind of encouraged my heart to kind of look around in the community and say, there are so many kids who need parents. They, they need guidance. And I remember 10 years ago saying, I don't have kids, but I pray that I can be a guidance for those who are around. When we look at West Virginia right now, we see that there's 7,000 plus people, young people, who are in the foster care system. 7,000 plus young people who need parents. That's not to mention those who are also in foster adoptive and kinship care services. There's a crisis that is going on right now, and I believe wholeheartedly that God is calling his church to step up into the gap. God is calling those to say, if you have a place in your home, if, if you have a heart for the lost and the youth and those who are misguided, please open up your heart and open up your home for those and become parents to those who are lost and being misguided. Believe me, see my passion and my understanding and knowing that it takes a lot of time and energy and effort. And some people are like, I've never been a parent before, and I don't, I don't know how to work with these kids, and I don't know how I can be relational to them. But a lot of them, they just need consistency in their lives, the consistency that we receive from God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit guides and it nurtures our lives as new believers and as seasoned believers also. And I believe that as we grow and as we learn to live and honor God, he helps us to be able to honor our children and to live as good parents and to steward their lives. I remember telling somebody told me one time, they said, how can you be um, this after school director and this person who guides these kids' lives? And I said, when you don't have kids, and I said, I understand I don't have kids, but it was the belief and the understanding that God and other parents had trusted me enough to steward their child's life that gave me such a broader understanding on how I should honor and how I should respect the opportunity to be a parent and to be a leader in our community and to guide these people's lives. 
And as I've grown now, as we opened up our house, you know, about seven months ago, me and Lauren, we opened up our house for, you know, foster adoptive and temporary custody. And um, it's been awesome having a young person in our house and learning to be a parent, learning through all these um, opportunities. But I think it really started off with understanding and loving the opportunity to steward these children's relationships. So just background on me, I'm not formally trained in any kind of after school and stuff like that. People always get on my LinkedIn and they'll be like, Farmer, you were doing banking and finance for seven, eight, nine, whatever years it was. They'll be like, how in the world did you work with kids? I'm telling y'all, I did not like kids. I hated kids. I didn't want nothing to do with kids. I thought everybody's kids was babies' kids. They was all just bad, running the streets, spoiled little brats. I just wanted to be like, get out my face. I don't want nothing to do with you all at all. And I recall this shifting in my life to God really equipping me to work with young people. That's how we've been able to do this work over the past eight years now. I'm um, celebrating eight years working after school. We've been able to open up multiple after school programs. I'm um, working and learning from Lauren um, and after school program sites on the west side and Lincoln and Logan and Kanawha County. And there are some basic things that I've learned from biblical teaching on how to raise our kids. Because um, when I got into this, I didn't have kids. So I had to lean upon biblical teaching on how to steward these young people's lives. And some of the things that we learned are these. There are three main points I want to give to you guys real quick. Is that when we're learning to apply these biblical principles to your kids' lives or kids' lives around you, you got to understand that kids really need four essential things. They need to know that they are loved. That's the first thing. They need to know that they're loved. Number two is that they need to know that they're going to be honored, that we respect them as we're teaching them. Thirdly, that they need your time. They need your energy. They need your effort. They need your undivided attention. And lastly, instead of thinking that, we, that they just need discipline, look at where that root comes from, that they need to be treated as disciples, that we're raising them up and we're shepherding them in our lives. So as we look at the love, they need to know that they are deeply cared about that no matter what's going to happen in their life, that they know that there's going to be someone who's going to unconditionally care about them, even when they make those mistakes in life. I recall working in after school and even now with KK, the first thing we had to establish was that there is nothing you can do in life that could take away my love for you. Even when you're raising your child and they're this baby's kid and they're acting a fool and you just want to be like, Jesus, let me just hit them with the one-two punch real quick. I always say, God, let me lay holy hands on them. You have to let them know that they are still loved no matter the mistakes that they make. When you have that love and that nurturing, it's just like that baby who cries out to you. They, they need some attention. They need something. When you hold them, it gives them the reassurance that they are loved even when they've made a mistake in life. Many a times when we raise our kids, when we discipline them, they feel as though they're not loved anymore. But as we kind of go through our verses here in Ephesians 6, we're going to learn what it looks like to love our kids as we discipline them. Secondly, we're going to talk about what it means to honor and respect your kids. Most of us, we look at our, us as parents, we say, you should go honor me. You're going to love me because I'm the parent. You give them that generic reason like I'm the parent. You're supposed to honor me. Why? Because the Bible says so. But looking at honor, it means that we respect and we show love to each other. And we're going to see how honoring our kids will ultimately teach them how to honor other people and also teach them how to honor ourselves as we mirror the Christian life. Third, we know that they need our time 
They need our energy. They need our effort. They, they want it all 24-7. I didn't realize this until you have a kid in your house, how much time they want from you. You don't get to sleep. You don't get to use the by yourself. You don't get to go outside. You don't get to watch your Netflix anymore. I didn't realize that. YouTube, all my videos and stuff like that. I got to sneak watch them and stuff like that. Between having a 10-year-old and having a newborn 24-7. And then don't talk about when you have to punish them when they're grounded because that means you give them 24 attention, 24-7 attention. But they need to know that you're willing to give yourself up for them sacrificially. I heard, I said this before and a couple weeks ago, I said, I'm Pastor Darren Powell, Maranatha, he said this in a sermon once, he said, he said, time is the most valuable thing that you have in life. You, you, you can't buy your time back. You, you can't get it back by trying to invest in something. But what you can do is take the most valuable thing that you have, this time, and invest it wisely. And I believe wholeheartedly that when you start to look at the time that you have with this young person, the simple things is maybe just sitting and coloring with them and talking with them and gaining an understanding. As you give your time and you invest that unto them, they then start to honor you and respect you more. They then are start to understand how much they are loved and cared for because you are willing to give one of the most valuable things to them. Being a parent means you are going to be sacrificing. You're going to be self-sacrificial in all of your aspects of your life. But I believe you also gain the most joy from being a parent and applying your time and energy and effort to raising up this young person as you steward their life. Lastly, I used to always say that they needed discipline. They, they needed instruction. They needed correction and caring. But the more that I looked into the word and the more I started reading and applying the biblical principles, I realized that I couldn't treat my child as just giving them discipline, but I've got to treat them as a disciple. Meaning, when you start to apply the principles that Jesus Christ did with his disciples, he was loving, he was caring, he came off of his holy throne and he humbled himself to work with the disciples. He gave all of himself so that they could be instructed so that when they came of age and when they were of a place of maturity, they were able to steward their own lives correctly and understand that the seeds that were planted in their life was put into good soil because God had worked with them. And Jesus Christ had invested time, love, honor, and discipled them in their teaching. First thing is we've got to realize is that as a parent, you were trusted to steward your child's life. And the responsibility is to develop them to receive the seeds of the kingdom of God and the instruction that God has given you from the kingdom to prepare their hearts to receive salvation. Parents, you've got to understand and know this is that you are not your child's salvation. Christ is. And it's understanding and, and knowledge and knowing that we have the honor and God trusts us enough to be able to raise this young person and bring them about in this world that we have been loved by God to give love to that young person. It's the honor of understanding that this child isn't a burden to your life, but it's the greatest blessing on your life that you were entrusted to take a living being the same way that you are a living being, a son and a daughter of God, that this baby and that this child that you were stewarding is also a son and a daughter of God and that they've been made wonderfully and fearfully in God's image and God has trusted you to help raise them. I believe when, when you start to understand that amount of honor that God gives you to steward and raise these young people, it changes your whole perspective of being a parent. I always say in after school, 
I tell people, they're like, well, you know, you're not a parent. I say, I'm not a parent, but guess what? I raised all y'all's babies, kids. Learning to work with kids who I had no background with, I did not raise their life, has taught me a lot in how to be able to parent a child and to raise them up to understand what honor and love can look like. And I pray that as we go through our scriptures here in Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4, we're going to do a little bit of a breakdown and it off with a little bit more teaching. I pray that as we read through this, it teaches us as parents how to walk with patience and kindness and love and generosity towards our kids so we can raise them to have a spiritual relationship with God on their own. So it says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity for us to continue to connect on Facebook and via other social medias, Lord. I pray today those who took the time to get up this morning and give themselves over to your word when they could be sleeping like my baby Naomi is right now. I pray that you bless them for the time that they're giving. I pray that as they may be living in a place of isolation, that they know that they're not alone. It may feel as though the enemy in this time when they're by themselves and temptation may creep in. God, I pray that you help them to know and to understand that they are still walking and living with you. God, I pray today that those who may feel lonely and they may feel downhearted and they may feel alone, that you help them and you guide them with your Holy Spirit still. And you fill them with joy and abundance, God. So I pray today also as we open up the word and learn how to raise our children in this society that feels so far away from you, God, that feels so backwards in, in a place where it feels as though the church isn't the greatest influence in our community and the, and the community is influencing our kids' lives more than the church is. I pray to God that you help us as parents and other people who are raising up young people to be the best influences we can to them through Jesus Christ. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. So let's break this down real quick. We're going to take verses 1 and 2, but I think collectively when we read through Ephesians 1 through 4, it's the understanding that in our personal lives, in our personal salvation, you will always see Christ reflected in your devotion that you have to him. It'll be shown in your outward life towards other people. I know people say all the time, they're like, oh, I'm a Christian. And your proclamation of who you are as a Christian, I believe, is, is really shown by your actions and the way that you live your life and that you respect and honor other people around you. When we look at the book of Ephesians and we saw the specific shifting in chapter 3, as Paul started to teach in the book of Ephesians to the, I'm sorry, to the church of Ephesus, he was really teaching them how to have personal relationships with each other. And he was telling them that we have to have grace, we have to have kindness, we have to have love. All these things that were applied in chapters 3, 4, and 5 are also meant to be applied towards our children. I, I don't know why I think sometimes that when we look at the way we steward our children's lives, we kind of think that we just need to overlord them. But when we look at our life, our faith in Jesus Christ, if we know it's real, it will also usually prove itself in our relationships with our husbands and our wives and our friends and families around us. And those who are at our 
homes. So our children should honor parents because they see us honoring them. That means that even when we ask our children to honor us, it means that we shouldn't be demanding or demeaning to them. But even when we are tough on them, even when we're asking them to do tasks and things that may seem out of line to them or it may seem unfair, if we show them honor and respect, then they will also then in a place hopefully give us the right honor back. Paul says just bluntly, he says, listen, kids, you are to honor your parents. He's also reminding them that it is the first commandment that comes with a promise. Ideally, we hope that our Christian children and our parents will relate to each other with our thoughtfulness and our love. And this happens when usually both the parents who are Christian and our kids put their interest above each other. That the child respects and honors the parent and the parent respects and honors the child and that they see each other's lives and they are seeing each other giving each other over to the Lord first, but then also giving themselves over to the child and the parent. So as we do so, we see this reflected in the relationship with Jesus Christ and God. God saw his son and he honored his son and he gave him all authority over the world and the earth as the son of God. And Jesus also honored his father by saying, I want to be obedient to his will. So as parents, we have got to get to a place of understanding as we honor our children we hope that they will also react as Jesus did in honoring us because we give them glory and honor. But at first, it starts with parents learning to be obedient to God in our personal relationships and our walks. Many of them, if they don't see our lives reflecting Jesus Christ, why would they honor us? Why would they, they want to listen to us? Why would they care to them? I heard this said um, when I was young in an after-school program. One of my kids, Jaleesa Davis, she actually came and worked with me. She helped me out tremendously when she was just talking to me one day. She was just telling me, she said, all we want as kids is love and respect. And she was just so mad about it. I was like, Jade, what's going on? Chill out. She said, all of y'all just walk around demanding stuff from us, but y'all never talk to us and ask us what we need or what we want. And we just want to be honored. We just want to be respected. We want to see it shown from your lifestyle. Because she said, y'all be out here turning up and acting a fool, and then y'all expect us to listen. And it just resonated with me so much that I thought and I said, my life that I live out there in the world is going to be a reflection upon everybody around me and who I glorify. And I thought to myself, I said, God, I want my life to be a reflection of my father. No different than Jesus Christ was always saying, I just want to reflect and do my father's will. Is that our hearts as parents? that we esteem to be like God the Father and to reflect that to our sons and our daughters. And as we are reflecting that to our sons and our daughters, do we see the reciprocal work and the Holy Spirit guiding our young people to be able to say, I want to be like my father. I want to be like my mother because I see them glorifying God. As we're raising our young people, the biggest thing that we have to do as parents is have a personal relationship with God so we can reflect that to our young people. As I said earlier, we are not our child's saviors. Jesus Christ is. And if we are not pointing them to Jesus Christ and we are not stewarding their lives and developing the soil in their life so that they can receive the seeds of the kingdom, they will never be nourished in the right way to be able to reflect honor to us. So as we're learning this, as we're giving this understanding, it's for the children also to understand that this commandment, it comes with a promise. It comes with the understanding that as you are giving your instruction, 
to your children. And as they honor us, God is saying, as he said in the Ten Commandments, that if you receive the wisdom from your parents, if, if you receive what they are speaking to you, then you can apply it to your life and it will help you to live a longer life. This isn't any kind of prosperity gospel at all, but it's a basic understanding that as your parents are living in a relationship with God, they have your best interest in mind. So when they give you an instruction, it is not meant to pull you down. It is not meant to put you into a place or to harm you, but they trust you as a parent that as you're guiding that you have their best interest in mind, that you love them. And as you give them an instruction that they'll listen because they love you, honor, and value you back. So as they listen to your instructions, the instructions that you're receiving from God is meant to help them to live a life that reflects wisdom in all of their relationships also. Basic biblical wisdom will keep you out of many situations. And as we are guiding our kids, it's the understanding that God is saying through my Ten Commandments, honor your mother and father because then you will be able to live a long life in the land that I'm giving you. He's saying that if you honor your mothers and fathers, the life that you live in this kingdom of God will be long because you follow my instructions. It's basically treating people with the proper respect as they need to. The key is that we must show our kids how to honor, and we must embody also being a peacemaker. It's hard sometimes being a parent, y'all. I know it's hard. When you want to give instruction to your kid, and they acting up, and they back talking, and you want to respond in anger. You want to throw a chair at them sometimes. I know that feeling. I've been there in after school before. People tell me all the time, they're like, I told you this before, before I had kids, they said, how can you be a parent? I said, I've had to work and help raise kids whose backgrounds I know they've been filled with trauma. They've been filled with hatred. They've been filled with abuse. But I also know that when I take the time to love and tenderly care about them and try to bring peace into their situation while disciplining them, it invites God and his Holy Spirit in there. And it also reflects that when I try to bring peace into someone's situation, it shows that I'm a son and daughter of the true and living God. Matthew 5 and 9, when Jesus Christ was giving the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches them, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they will be known as the sons and daughters of God. Blessed are the peacemakers when there may be enmity in your household. Blessed are the peacemakers who are parents when their kids just have so much turmoil and hatred and anger and malice and, and this kind of this anger and they don't know how to handle it. Do you choose to bring peace to that situation or do you respond with anger and frustration? I say it's like when we come to a situation with our child when maybe they don't know how to manage their emotions and their feelings and we are in the place of stewarding them to understand how to do it, we have got to come with humbleness. I was telling KK the other day, we're sitting at the table with Naomi, and I said, what can Naomi do on her own right now? She's two months old. And she said, nothing. And I said, you know what? She's learning that her hands are her hands. She's learning that her are her feet. She'll sit there and have her hands and just be smacking herself in the face. I'm like, Naomi, stop. You can't do that. And she'll try to put it in her mouth. And I'm like, she doesn't even realize that her hand is attached to her body. So it's the thought that our kids, they're learning how to be emotionally stable. They're, they're learning how to manage themselves in a world around us that tells them that they should indulge in anger and hatred and malice towards each other. And as good Christian Mothers and fathers and parents, it's our job to help our kids understand how do you bring peace into a situation 
we first must be peace to their situation. We must first come into the situation, as Jesus Christ said, and be identified as a peacemaker, as a son and daughter of God, so we can help our kids to know Christ, our peace. It's hard. It's going to be frustrating. It's going to be times that you're going to be angry. It's going to be times that you have malice towards each other when your kid just doesn't listen. But Paul tells in this, in verse 4, he says to them, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Don't prod the bear is what I say sometimes. Don't poke the bear and make him even more upset. When your kid's getting smart, don't be smart back. It means that you have to be the one who is a step above, that you have to be the one who chooses to be more mature. You have to be the one to humble yourself, be humble, and sit down sometimes. It's hard because you feel as though that kid is just going to irk your everlasting nerves, and they're not giving you honor and respect, but it's the matter of you giving the instruction to them and you teaching to them by your example. Children follow your example. Children are going to follow your life. They're going to look at your actions as opposed to you giving them speeches. That even when you were bringing about discipline to your child, the goal is that you bring about correct, loving discipline and you bring peace into that situation. While you were giving this correction and instruction, you are to apply the teachings that we had from Ephesians 4 and 5. As we were learning how to live in relationship with our brothers and sisters and those who were far away from God and those who were living in relationship with God, we are also to apply the same standards to all of those people's lives that we did all those people's lives to our children's lives. Because we also have to remember that they are still made in the image of God. They're also formed as humans as we are, and they have the same flaws as we did. So it's remembering that when we discipline our kids that we're supposed to walk in love, we need to be thankful for them. We need to remember that we also rebelled and we also fought against God, our Father, and that we were far away from God. And when we were far away from God, we fought against his will. We have to remember that our children are still born into a sin nature. And as they are also born into the sin nature, they also have the same struggles that we have, even as adults. We forget that sometimes, that our kids are tempted by the same exact things that we are tempted with. That when you pick up your cell phone and you see something on there, you see an ad, you see something that may be inappropriate, that your kid is struggling with the same temptations as you. But the difference is, is that they're not mature enough to know how to handle it. And God has entrusted us to disciple these young people, to steward their lives. And I pray that as we are guiding and as we are living as parents, that we are able to understand that we rebelled, that we were angry, that we were going against God. And when your child is also doing the same thing, that we continue to love our children the same way that God and Christ has loved us. Walking with humility, walking with humbleness, walking with love, understanding that, yes, you have to discipline your child. You cannot allow your child to overrun yourself and your life. But it means that you correct them with biblical wisdom and love and understanding, and that when you do have to discipline them, when you do have to put them in a place of punishment, that it's not done in a place of anger, but it's done in a place of love and the understanding that the correction will bring about them understanding what is right and what is wrong and what is righteous in every aspect of their lives. Be angry and sin not. 
listen, your child is just, just as much a part of the body of Christ as every other church member is. I think we, we think about that. Your, your young person that you're stewarding, the child that you were raising up is just as much a part of the body of Christ as you are, as your pastor is, as your neighbor or your friend. So they deserve the same Christ-like love and respect and honor as you were to give to your brothers and sisters. The only difference is, is that you have a little more authority over their life, which kind of gives you more of an advantage because you then can also help them to be guided more by providing more instruction and discipline and discipleship because you live in that place of right relationship with them and have more time with them. So as we're remembering this is that our children deserve the honor and that they are made in the image of God and we are to be humble, I'm going to leave you all with three things that we can do as we steward our kids' lives, as we're honoring our kids' lives because we know it's hard. Three things that we can do from the scriptures here. Paul reminds us not to provoke our children in anger, but to bring them up in discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I believe wholeheartedly that you all as parents are the ones who should be stewarding your child's spiritual life and their spiritual formation. And I believe by applying these three things to your kid's life, treating them as a, dis as a disciple, not just as this overlording person to discipline them, but treating them with love and honor and respect, God will use you to bring about salvation to your child's life and to bring them to the understanding of what it means to be honored, and you in turn can also receive honor. First, I believe is this, is that we are to act in love as God the Father does. We are to act in love as God the Father. If we look at the interactions with God, with Adam and Eve, if we look at the interactions as he created them, even when they sinned and they made a mistake, they were disciplined because of the mistake that they made, but it does not mean they weren't loved. And you like we're going to have to discipline our children, but it does not mean that we stop loving them. In life, we've messed up and made mistakes. There's a song by this artist named Hulvey, and he says this, you know, he says, I have good days and I have bad days, but God still loves me. Your kids are going to have good days. They're going to have bad days. They're going to have days where they annoy the ever-living daylights out of you. There's going to be days you're going to look at them, you're going to be so proud that you're going to be profusely crying and be like, that's my kid. You're going to have days when you're about to preach a church sermon and your kid's in the gym playing with other kids and they start doing WWE moves on other kids and they come in yelling and screaming and you're like, I got to preach a message in 15 minutes, y'all. But it does not mean you stop loving them. Maybe in those moments and times, it means that we do as God does, and we show them an extra abundance of grace and love. It means that we love our children as God the Father, that we are willing to give everything of ourselves over for them to be able to come to the understanding and right relationship with God. Secondly, it means this, is that we act in humility as Christ did. We act in humility towards our kids and towards our children as Christ did. Christ came as a humble servant. He came as a lamb. He came as a roaring lion. He's going to return as a roaring lion. But he first came as a humble lamb. He came to instruct us and to show us how to live our lives. And as we are living humbly, 
as Christ did. Christ had all authority over the earth when he walked and he reigned this earth, but he walked humbly for us to be able to have an understanding on what it means to love each other. He knew that his disciples were going to make mistakes. He knew that the people around him were going to make mistakes. They were going to taunt him. They were going to sacrifice him, but he willingly gave himself over because he knew the work that he did by living a humble life would bring about more salvation and it would bring about his people, us, being back in relationship with God the Father. We see this reflected that God the Father loves the Son and gives him all authority. And the Son then reflects and says, I want to be obedient to the Father. We see this reflected and we can teach our kids to be humble as we are humble also and teaching them in humility. Lastly, we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to infiltrate our child's spiritual life and give them guidance. I remember when I was really younger, um, I had a young man who was living with me. I love this kid to death. I love this kid to death. Stephen, if you're watching, I'll probably post this and share it with you. I love this kid to death so much, but he irked my everlasting nerve, y'all. Sometimes you just he just needed some extra time and energy and effort. And I was a young 22, 23-year-old kid trying to learn how to navigate life myself. And I've got this young 18-year-old kid. So I then became a big brother and a parent to this guy. And I'm so proud of him now because he's got two daughters of his own. And he's got this great career. And he's working with young people. And he's married. And I just remember one day he did something wrong. And I just got so mad. And I got so angry. And I did what parents are supposed to do. I lashed out with hatred and anger and frustration and discipline. And I remember I was at my mom's house because I was thinking, I said, my mom's going to be like, yeah, we're going to gang up on him and be like, you was wrong. You messed up. You about to get the skippity-pap hands. I remember my mom is pulling back and being like, Michael, stop that. And she called me Michael. I knew it was real. And I remember she just, she just said, stop. That's not how you discipline someone that you love. She said, there are going to be things that are out of your hand that you can't control in life. There's going to be situations that these people have gone through as you may foster, adoptive, or temporary kinship care of someone. But you've got to love them and nurture them, and you've got to pray for the Holy Spirit to infiltrate their heart and to be the change. And I remember just committing every day to saying, God, I'm going to commit to praying to you that you change this young man's life because I can't do it on my own. But I also remember saying, I'm going to commit to being humble, and I'm also going to commit to loving him like God does. And I remember just seeing this shift in his life and this transformation to where he just started to show and reflect love and anger that he had and malice just started to change. And you saw the work of the Holy Spirit working inside of him. As we see the Holy Trinity working in love and humility and giving guidance, we've got to work in the same way with our young people. We've got to live in a place where we show them love when the world shows them hatred. That when we are disciplining them and as we're teaching them to honor us, we've got to give them grace in moments and times because the world out there doesn't give them that. And if we don't reflect that to them, we can easily turn them away from ourselves and turn them away from God. So as we live our lives and as we go about these next couple of weeks, and I know that some of you guys are at home in quarantine and y'all are just like, man, farmer, you teaching this to me right now, but you don't understand. I'm here with these kids 24-7. They just over here 
just acting a fool, eating all the food in my house, using up all my Wi-Fi, using up all my data, getting on my last nerves. No, you can't go outside. Stay six feet apart. Put your mask on. It's tough right now. And maybe this is a very timely message for us to understand how you can use this time to build a deeper relationship with your young person. I, I don't believe that, you know, that sermons just come about and it's just there, but I do believe that, you know, when you have an opportunity like this, you take advantage of it. That the time that you have, the most valuable thing that you have right now is spending time with your children and with your wife and your loved ones. Let's grow these relationships with them. There may be some places where they may be struggling and, and learning on how to learn from you. Maybe you take some time and you talk and you speak to each other on the same level and you guide them through correct discipline. You give them a little bit extra love and grace as we needed love and grace as we were living out our Christian lives. I pray that we utilize this time to help grow our children in their spiritual formation. I don't want to waste this time that we have. We may be in a time of chaos and crisis, but I don't want to waste this time just putting it to the wayside. So maybe that means doing simple things like putting your phone down. Maybe that means that we should give that extra attention to our kids. I, it's hard, I know, but I pray that the Holy Spirit gives you that strength to do so. Amen. I'm over here acting like someone's going to say amen. Ain't nobody here at Risen City. It's just me just hanging out. But I pray that during these next couple of weeks, God helps us as parents. God gives you grace and humility and humbleness. God gives you an extra level of love so you can reflect that to your children. Uh, I'm learning this having a 10-year-old now and a baby. You know, when, when you're at home on a conference call and your 10-year-old's like, I need this, a bowl of sugar smacks, and your baby's crying, I can easily in that moment reflect negativity. But do I show them love and tenderness and grace and kindness? And as I do that, I start to see the reflection in KK and giving honor back. And I pray that your kids do that the same way. So I want to leave you all with this is that we are to shepherd our kids' lives the best we can, but it doesn't mean that sometimes they're not going to go astray. It doesn't mean that you are not going to have a child that maybe doesn't follow after Christ. It doesn't mean that you give up on that child. Just because they may not follow or live after Christ does not mean that they are still, that does not mean that they aren't still worthy of Christ-like love. I tell people as a testament to my life, I had a praying mom for five years of my life when I was away from God. She prayed for me. She cared about me. She, she talked to me even when I wanted nothing to do with her. And a praying mom kept my life safe. And because of the love that she gave me, it brought me to an understanding to who God was. In the context of the book of Ephesians and, and living in the church of Ephesus and living in a place of Rome, the... Fathers had the spiritual authority to teach and to raise their children. And the fathers also had the spiritual authority as heads of the household. That as heads of the household, if they did not follow Christ, then they didn't get taught Christ. They didn't live by biblical principles. But I believe even sometimes as young people, we don't talk about this, as you're coming to church and, and as you're believing in God and as you're following after God, you're going to have parents that don't believe in God. But 
You showing them Christ-like honor can bring them to a place of salvation. So the mandate is not just for the parents to steward their kids' lives, but also as young people. I pray that as you are living in a place that you may have parents who don't follow after Christ, that your love and your honor and respect, even when you feel as though it is incorrect or wrong, and that they're hard on you and they're tough on you, that you can bring your parents to a place of salvation. Amen. Amen. Church, we're dismissed. We appreciate you guys. Um, if you want to give online, I'll share the link later on. On there, it's on um, our resurrection page. And then you go to Risen City, you go to your Easy Tithe Give. I don't know what it's called. I'll just share the link online if you guys want to give online and support. We appreciate you guys. Um, Lastly, by way of announcements, we are shifting the way that we're partnering with Step by Step this week. Um, we are going to be partnering with um, Step by Step, which I work for and that we're working with and receiving donations with. We are going to start giving um, our donations out Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. at Randolph Street Baptist, which is right across the street from the Salvation Army Boys and Girls Club. Um, we have a great relationship with Hope for Appalachia Children's Resource Center. And they've stepped up in this time where we want to honor the social distancing. We want to honor the separation that we have. But we want to make sure that kids and families still have the resources that they need. So we are going to be distributing um, double take-home snack bags for kids Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. at Randolph Street Baptist. I'll make sure to share that flyer. If you want to give, I encourage you guys to go to our step-by-step -step donations page, and you can give. Everything that you give monetarily will go towards buying and supplying these snacks and these items. And then also, if you just want to actually purchase items for our kids, that's the best way is that you purchase them. We can bag them up and give them to our kids and families. And lastly, we ask that if you have any prayer requests or needs, um, just inbox us on our Risen City page. We want to make sure that we still keep in close contact and communication with our brothers and sisters during this time. Amen. God bless. We're going to catch y'all later. We'll see y'all. Y'all enjoy this day. Get out on the boulevard or somewhere and stay six feet away from each other. Peace.